This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by myself entitled, A Look at Yeshua. You can find all of our archived Shabbat messages wherever you get your podcasts and also at our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. You can also sign up for my dad's weekly essays that he writes if you put your email in the little email subscribe box. And as always, our theme music is by my buddy, Evan Shaw. Check out his music at evanshawmusic.com. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does lie only away. For soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and all right, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. So we're going to be in Matthew today, if you want to go there. <laughs> and chapter 14. Um, so we're gonna, we're gonna go through 14 and 15, and I don't have anything revolutionary or shocking to share, as much as I think it's important, you know, for all of us as a refresher, maybe who've, you know, been in the Bible our whole lives, but also for the next generation, our children, to, uh, uh, as I entitled this, A Look at Yeshua. And the things that he did and how he conducted himself, how he interacted with different people, their reactions, and just what we can glean from that. So um, so we'll pray and then we'll get into this. And yeah. Heavenly Father God, thank you for this day, for the Shabbat. Time to be together, to read your word, learn from it. And I pray that as we look at the life of Yeshua that we would learn from it and grow and uh be encouraged in our walk. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. So uh, so we'll kind of read basically these two chapters and as we go I'm going to pause and we're going to look at a couple different things in relation to Yeshua and, and talk about it a bit. So chapter 14 verse 1. At that time Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Yeshua, said unto his servants, this is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves from him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John said unto him, It's not lawful for thee to have her. And when, he would, uh, and when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. I'll just pause real quick right there. I always find it fascinating to me that you have John calling out a pretty dick dictatorial, you know, bloodthirsty leader. It was a really dangerous thing that he obviously cost him his life. Um, and that he, he called him out on the spot for that, which is, you know, you don't see that today, I guess. <laughs> you know, our religious leaders are not holding the line for what our quote-unquote civil leaders, and they were occupied. This wasn't, you know, that'd be like living... I don't know where, closest thing to compare it today, you know. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> or or Russia, where you're more likely to disappear, you know, or be poisoned, and and so I just find that it would find that fascinating and kind of encouraging somewhat in the today's day and age. And it cost him his life. And then I'm thinking like, okay, here's John the Baptist, here's Elijah, you know, if you can receive it, and he gets beheaded. It's like, what a friggin' ripoff. Like, why didn't you do something about that, God? But, I mean, what a lame ending. I, but not at the same time. So, for what it's worth. All right, so John tells him off. And he's afraid of him, though. Ah, they fear the multitude, the weak point. And so, um, but, six. <laughs> When Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Whereupon he promised with an oath that he would give her whatever she would ask. And she, being instructed of her mother, said, Give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. And the king was sorry. Nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it be given her. See, most of these people, these leaders like him, they're cowards. And they fear the multitude. And so they caved to pressure. And he sent and beheaded John in prison that's it john's life is over just i don't know it just seems so unjust and his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel and she brought it to her mother and his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told yeshua so there's kind of the backdrop then this is kind of when i you know now enter yeshua and we're going to look at him and how he handles it. And I don't know. This just kind of struck me. Anyway, we'll just read it. And when Yeshua heard it, he departed thence by a ship into a desert place apart. So I find that interesting. And he's actually, he's going to do it again later on. So you have Yeshua who basically lives his life in anonymity prior to his turning water into wine, essentially. Not completely, but, but to a large degree. He's just a regular dude, learning his trade, working, taking care of his family. Um, somehow is, is God in the flesh, uh, the Messiah walking among us, but, but still having to feel all the same weight and pressures of life that I think we all feel and that we all go through. And I just, it struck me when I read this, that he hears about John's death and I can almost just picture him, you know, just standing there almost half stunned for a second, not even saying anything. And then, and then, you know, he doesn't like deliver some big speech. He doesn't rally the troops. He doesn't say we're going to hold a protest. He gets in a ship. He sails by himself to a deserted place to be alone. So I think he just needs to collect himself to pull it together to have some time to unplug unplug freaking digital world we live in i hate it uh to to just have space to have space and time and quiet to think to meditate to pray which is just blows my mind because he's you know he's god come down on from on high you know why does he need to go do that but but he's human and he has to, he needs to. And I think that's something all of us need at periods of time where, you know, it just takes the wind out of your sails, so to speak, and you need space to decompress. I think that's 
part of a lesson in what goes on when they would come back from battle in these these horrific battles in the Old Testament and they'd have to stay outside the camp and cleanse themselves for seven days. And granted, that had to do with all the bloodshed and all of that. But I think at the same time, you need time, mental space, just to be able to grind through, you know, these emotions and these feelings. And, you know, so there's there's just life and thoughts and emotions and, and energy that needs processing and I think all of us need that sometimes and obviously Yeshua needs it so you know that's the end of John the Baptist you know Elijah the prophet you know immerses Yeshua they think he's a pro you know they consider him a prophet he does all these things he has disciples he's maybe even the high priest beheaded you know at the end and uh and then Yeshua, I don't know, just I think needs to have needs to be able to process that. And so and this is all just me. I'm reading into this a ton, but it's just interesting me. So he le- he leaves. He's like, I gotta get out of here. I need a place. So he leaves. And half the second half of thirteen. And when the people heard thereof, they followed him out on foot of the cities. And Yeshua went forth and saw the great multitude. And was moved with compassion towards them, and he healed their sick. So I think after after John's death, and then he goes and he kind of digests all of that, and then the people follow him out there, and he sees them, and 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 he's ha- moved with a compassion. And so it's just so interesting to me this character and personality of Yeshua, where he's you know needs to get away from it all, to be alone, to be able to process stuff, but then he's moved with compassion because he sees the multitudes and the sick and the problems and they're, they're destitute and the sh- sheep without a shepherd, but at the same time will fly into a rage on the religious leadership of the day and drive out the money changers from the temple with a cat of nine tails. So you have this, a man, much like David, really, when you get down just this raw personality that can fly back and forth from either end of the spectrum perfectly, really, and balanced, actually. Whereas David, we know, didn't have complete control, and Yeshua did. But I love the humanity of it, and I love the, the all-encompassing nature that Yeshua puts on display and, and shows as an example, and... and and that, I don't know, gives me a little a consolation for just life and all that we go through and deal with and see and have to process. And Yeshua did the same thing. All right, so they, 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 he's moved with compassion. And when it was evening, the disciples, verse 15, came to him saying, This is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals, food. But Yeshua said unto them, They need not depart, give them to eat. Uh, give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, Bring them hither to me. Commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, took the five loaves, two fishes, looked up to heaven, blessed, break, and gave the loaves to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up the fragments, and that remained twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men, besides women and children. Then I want to, the, the next 
spot I want to look here is at uh, tw uh, 22 and 23. And straightway Yeshua constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him into the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. So again, he like has this probably draining, taxing interaction with the people and with his disciples, probably teaching, feeding them, everybody, you know, wanting to be here. And he's like, all right, you guys got to all get out of here. So he sends his disciples away. He goes up in the mountain to pray. He goes to be alone, to find this time for just him and God. And it's, a, I think, a spiritual nourishing period that is necessary for the spirit and soul and mind and body of, of a man and of a woman in their relationship before God. And without that, uh, I think you just get drained. You just start to fall apart. And so Yeshua needed that. And so he's a model for us in that. And, and uh, so he goes up into this mountain to pray. And uh, so, 24. Uh, now the ship was in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, and the wind was contrary. And in the force watches, just in case you're wondering what that means, I'll explain to you since I sail. So they're trying to go one way, this, the, the wind's blowing against them the other way, and it's tossing up a really big sea. And the problem with that isn't so much that, per se, as much as the wind will, can drive you onto the shore where you don't want to go, and you can't, you can't get the boat off to go a different direction to get yourself out of that position, especially being on a small body of water. So it's, 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 um, it's dangerous because of the wind and waves, but more so because they can, they could get driven onto the rocks. So, uh, uh, midst of the sea, wind was contrary. 25 in the fourth watch of the night, Yeshua went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out in fear. But straightway Yeshua spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it's I. Don't be afraid. And Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Yeshua. But when he began to see the wind, and when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Yeshua stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. So, and then they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. So, not going to dwell on that period passage too much. You've all heard it a million times. Yeshua, you know, Peter lacks faith, blah, blah, blah. But I got thinking, I was like, you know what? He had more faith than the guys on the boat. They didn't do anything. They were just probably, they were just sitting there, you know, bumps on a log lame. And, but Peter was like, hey, I'll come out on the water, you know? So I think good for Peter, you know, whatever. Be willing to sink. And uh, Yeshua saved him. And so Yeshua says, oh, ye of little faith. But then I'm thinking, if I'm going on the guys in the boat, I'd be thinking, yeah, but I just stayed in the boat. I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm not getting out of the boat, you know. And um, But Peter did. So I don't know. I think that's cool. I think Peter was a cool guy. I think that's why we get, I think it was why God used Peter as he did, because he was very real. He was willing to 
do stupid things, really. You know, he was uh, visceral and in ways true to himself. And so, which makes for a conflicted individual because you're always warring against what's inside you, but it's something that God can use because you're just a raw individual that can act. There you go. All right. That's all. <laughs> Luke's commentary more than anything. <laughs> all right. So they come over to this other land. And where do I go? Okay, 35. They go over to the Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of them, they sent out into all the country round about and brought them all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as, tu as touched were made perfectly whole. So this reminds me, probably reminds you of the woman uh, with the issue of blood that reached out and touched the hem of his garment and was healed. And so, so I don't know. I always wonder, I always think about this because you've got this passage and then at the end of 15, we're going to get into this Canaanite woman who wanted him to heal his daughter, her daughter. And he basically blows her off, ignores her essentially. I think for a reason. But then I'm thinking like, okay, so you got you got all these random people. Who knows how much faith they had? I mean, they showed up, but you know, what's really inside them? I don't know. And then you get the Pharisees thrown in here and you're gonna get a, like, it just goes from like this, like, you know, Puffy Simpson cloud, like picturesque story to like, what Pharisees and survives. And it's just like, who are you? And then, and then you have this Canaanite woman, woman. So I don't know what I'm trying to say, except that it's interesting to me how Yeshua responds to all these different groups. You've got these multitudes that he has compassion for and they're sick and, and it seems like they're crying out for him and, and, the, and the healing that they want. And, and all they have to do is touch the hem of his garment. Like how cool is that? But then you get this other Canaanite lady who has to like jump through hoops. But I think it's because God, obviously, you should knows the heart of all these people. And so he interacts with them accordingly. And I think he does the same thing for us. You know, I think God and his spirit and how he works in us, speaks to us, nourishes us, stretches us, helps us grow, is, is related directly to who we are and how we interact with him. As only a father would, you know. You love and you raise all your own children under the same rules. They have all the black and white is for all of them. But then it's interacted and enacted upon them all differently because of who they are and the situation and what's inside them. Because the father knows that. And so he can dole out what they need to develop them as they should be. But it's not always fun. It's not always good it's not always enjoyable to be on the other end of that so we can learn from from these stories so he they touch the hem of the garment and they're made perfectly whole 15 and when then just i don't know in my mind whenever i'm reading this i don't know how you guys happen but whenever i read i tend to picture stuff and see it almost in my head if, it, if it's a really good book you stop seeing the words and you're just in the story. And so reading this, it's like, you know, it's like 
and he's there and it's blue cloud skies and white puffy clouds and like rays of sunshine and the people are just touching the hem of his garment and he's there like regally you know whatever i don't know and then it's just like blah, 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 darkness and the scribes and pharisees show up right that's what it feels like to me then came the scribes and pharisees to yeshua which were of jerusalem i think that's a very don't just gloss over that. He doesn't throw that in just willy-nilly. The reason he throws that in is it's kind of like, and the IRS showed up from Washington. You know, that's what it carries with it. It's like the scribes and the fairies from Yeshua. These are the, the men in black, you know, like what's going on here, you know? <laughs> Verse two, why? So they immediately go after his disciples. Why did thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother. He that curses his father and mother, let him be put to death. But ye say, Whoever shall say to his father and mother, It's a gift by whatsoever thou mightest profit by me, and honor not his father and mother, he shall be free. Thus ye have made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition." So they come in and they say, what's going on here? Your disciples aren't following the tradition of the elders. We have studied and we know and we've educated and we've taught and we have industry and systems and you can get a degree and blah, blah, blah and associate with our thing and pay dues every month and, you know, be officially stamped, you know, as approved uh, because this is good, you know. And, you, and so... They're accusing because he's outside the system. He, he's not engaging in their in their system. And I don't want to get into all the details of what's going on with that. We can talk about it later if you're curious and what it means with honoring father and mother, what he talks about. But basically the nuts and bolts of it are is they have built their own system that has nullified the word of God and the intention behind it for their own gain, basically, because they have built a system they have a campus with multi-million dollar buildings that have a little throwing book, brook through it, and a cafe, and they need to support that. But it's good for the community. So, Yeshua has some choice words for them. Seven, ye hypocrites. Well, and then he goes right to Isaiah. You don't want to be on the wrong end of Isaiah's prophecies, let me tell you. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draw nigh unto me with their mouth, honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, but in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. Then he says, basically, get out of here, away with you, I'm going to talk to the regular people. And so he calls the multitudes and, uh, uh, and said unto them, hear and understand. And then he's going to go on and he's going he's gonna to explain it. Um, uh, we'll just read it real quick where I want to get to is 13. And he called the multitudes said unto them, hear and understand not that which goeth into the mouth of the man, that which goeth out of his mouth of the man. And he came to his disciples said unto them, knowest that the Pharisees were, and oh, so the, the disciples are like, jeez, oh, you like really pissed them off. So they're, they're offended when they heard this. And he said, 13, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. So these 
scribes and Pharisees, they are the tares among the wheat. And that's what he says, like, you're of the father, your father, the devil. Why? Because they are, they're accusing him. They are, they have not the heart of God inside them. And so they, they're trying to make disciples after themselves. And so Yeshua just calls it out straight and says, they are tares that are going to be bound up and burned. You know, I mean, that's it's terrible. And I don't think it's any different today. Corporate religious organization that has been turned into an industry and a massive business has problems. And uh, we as the multitudes, the followers of God, just need to have a healthy do dose of skepticism and, um, you know, judgment about what's going on around us and compare all these things with the Word of God. That's why it's so important to look at Yeshua, how he interacted with all these different people why he did it you know and and because he walked through real life no different than today with people in all kinds of chaotic situations the centurion the tax collector harlots uh uh sad uh pharisees sadducees um people of the sanhedrin um people possessed by doubt, every person from every background that you could conceive of. And he just walked and wove through that and, and interacted with them where they are and didn't, didn't call them to like start an insurrection, didn't call them to, you know, start protesting. He went after what was inside them where they were, because I think he knew in his infinite wisdom that if you can't reach what's inside them first it doesn't matter what you try to get them to do on the outside that's why he they said you know this disciple said lord when will the kingdom come to israel and what was the, his response beware that men don't deceive that you'd be not deceived by men that's the first thing he said he didn't say well you know it's uh if you guys would just get your axe to god you know it's so I don't know. I think it's so important that, you know, especially now as we come back to Torah and we get a foundation in the, in, the, in the Torah and in the prophets and in the writings, and then you look at Yeshua as the Messiah, come to Israel where they are, are, are and where they've been, come from, and we as a part of that, it's so interesting. All right, keep going. So they're going to be pulled up. And blah, blah, blah. Uh, where was that? Rude to blind. Uh, blind leaders of the blind. And then P Peter's like, declare this, this parable. And Yeshua says, are you yet without understanding? Don't you understand? Whatever go um, enters a man's mouth, goes into his belly, is cast in the drop. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man, i.e., What's inside you is the problem. For the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are things that defile man, but to eat with unwashed hands defiled not a man. Then Yeshua went hence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Zidon. So there he's leaving again. He's going somewhere else. So 22, and we're kind of, we're winding down here. Uh, behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, have mercy unto me, Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed by a devil with a devil. And he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So obviously he's coming unto her, and he basically is just ignoring her for, for a reason. 
whatever reason, but a reason. And the Yeshua's are starting to get, uh, the disciples are starting to get annoyed, saying like, this, this lady, who is this? Is a whack job, you know? She's some Canaanite woman saying her daughter's possessed of a devil. Like, you know, you and I would be like, get out of here. <laughs> Uh, but he doesn't. So he says, I'm not coming to the lost sh uh, sheep of the house of Israel. Uh, okay, 25. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not me to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And Yeshua answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou hast wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. So I just find that really incredible. You know, so, you know, it makes me think, like, why, you know, God, Yeshua kind of bends over backward for kind of the lame disciples, right? You know, who are just bumbling around. It seems like, I mean, they're not. I think they're obviously great men of God. But, you know, at least Peter gets out of the boat. That's cool. But then Yeshua's like, you don't have any faith. You're just, you know, and I'd be like, I got out of the boat. Are you, what are you kidding? They didn't get out of the boat. Are you kidding me? I, I'm trying to walk on water here. What do you mean I don't have faith? That's what I'd feel like. But, but obviously he, he was trying to teach them where they were at. And then you have this Canaanite woman who is of the nations. She's a Canaanite. They were supposed to be wiped out. She shouldn't even be alive, basically, if they had done their job. And so I think God has to, lines are drawn, distinctions are made for a specific purpose. There are boundaries, there are rules, there is sovereignty. Because identity means things. Because otherwise, nothing means anything. And so I think Yeshua is drawing out a, a contrast of like, you're a Canaanite person. If you're going to stay a Canaanite person, it doesn't matter if I heal all y'all. You're all going to go to hell. And so he needed to know, obviously he knew, but he needed to know what's inside her. How is she going to act? What's she going to do? Can I dissuade her? I'm putting all humanity to it, but Yeshua obviously was kind of read before. He was human, so he's, whatever. He's somehow doing all this. And she persists and, and, and proves, I think, just like Ruth, that... There's something different in her than just seeing this somebody who, you know, might be able to be the next random person that can heal uh, his, her daughter. Because I'll tell you, parents who are desperate and the kids are sick, they'll go anywhere and try anything. Not because they believe it. They're just shooting in the dark. And so is this lady just shooting in the dark or does she really believe, how do I know you are who you say you are? You know, that type of thing. And so he heals her, which is so cool. Uh, all right, almost done. Yeshua departed thence, 29, came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee, went up into a mountain, and sat down there. So he goes up into a mountain again. He seems to like to go up to these mountains and tries to get away from people. They just won't leave him alone. Great multitudes came unto him, having those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, many others, and cast them down at Yeshua's feet, and he healed them. So he's like, again, it's like, he goes, he sits there, you can just drop off, you know, assembly line style, you know, I, anyway, poor Canaanite woman has to work hard. 
So the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb speak, the maimed behold, the lame walk, the blind see, and they glorified the God of Israel. So there's something going on, especially when you put all this in the context of like who the Messiah was supposed to be and even who the, what the religious leadership said the Messiah was supposed to be. They all said like, when the Messiah comes, he'll heal the dumb, he'll raise the dead, people blind from birth, people lame from birth, like all these things. And he did all these things. But then they're like, you know, well, yeah, but your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. So, uh, 32. Yeshua called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they can continue now with me three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting unless they faint in the way. And the disciples said, what in the world do you want us to do? When should we have so much bread in the wilderness to fill so great a multitude? Give me a break. Just try to walk on water. And Yeshua said unto them, how many loaves have you? And they said, seven and a few little fish. And he commanded the multitude, sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes, gave thanks, break them, gave them to his disciples, disciples to the multitude. So it's kind of a repeat. They did eat, were filled. They took up the broken meat. Seven baskets were left full, and they did eat, were 4,000 men besides women and children. There's all kinds of like spiritual allegory, like end time, neat things in there. I'm not going to get into that. And he sent away the multitude, took the ship, and came onto the coast of Magna. And... And it keeps going. I don't know if I'll, you know, we'll, how much of Matt, more of Matthew I'll cover, but uh, it's just cool the life of Yeshua and all the things that he does, and um, and how he interacts with everybody in all these different situations. And I just, I don't know. I think if we take the time, our own time, to get away, to be quiet, to pray, to read, to meditate, you know, we can learn from Yeshua and his life, and you know what God wants us to get out of it. You know, so that we can navigate through the chaos of the world and the life around us that we're in, oftentimes self-inflicted. But, you know, God, you know, Yeshua didn't hold that against them. You know, he, you know, he was after their hearts and he knew if he could get their heart to change, he knew then their mind would change. And if their minds would change, then their physical actions would change which would change their families and their marriages and their communities and their workplace and all these things and then he could actually come back and build a kingdom but until that happens good luck so, let's pray heavenly father thank you for all these things and i thank you for your word for this day for life and health that you have given us that we are so blessed and that uh, you know, I don't know. I know for me, I tend to take it for granted all the time. So I thank you for all that you do, all that you provide. I thank you for Shabbat, time to be together. I just pray that you continue to bless us um, and uh, lead us forth in your word, in Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 Hey, mighty warriors arise.